Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. As we look to the future, who knows what normal is going to be, but whenever that is, when we feel like we're at some semblance of a new normal, what's the first thing you're going to do? What's the thing you're really looking forward to getting back to doing? Hugging, Hugging people. people. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Robin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <sighs> so 2020, huh? That was, yeah. a, that was a year. Yeah, I'm so glad it's over. I'm so glad it's a new year. Okay, why does everyone say that? <laughs> is this year going to be any better? <laughs> it has to be. It, it's law of gravity or something <laughs> what goes up must come down and nothing what, changed what it's still winter people down. aren't wearing masks that's true but there's a lot more hope i mean we'll have a new president in the office it's not true until inauguration day. oh my god you're you are you're ridiculous you're ridiculous uh, all right so last week we recapped our first year of the show we had a lot of great conversations and insights from people from lots of different backgrounds honestly yep And as we look towards the new year, we wanted to recap our take on 2020 and look towards the future. So we needed a little help from our friends and we invited someone today. Hi, Suzanne. Hi! (laughs) (laughs) You're such a character. Bringing it up a notch. (laughs) That's That's how I enter every room. And so everyone, you probably remember Suzanne Sinatra. She's founder of Private Packs. She was on one of our earlier episodes. Suzanne and I have known each other now for how long has it been? Three years? Yeah, three years. It's been about three years. She waltzed into my classroom three years ago, just in the same way. Suzanne doesn't waltz. She struts. (laughs) I strut. Thank you. the door open. Thank you. She burst into the room. She rocket fueled into the room. She did it in Suzanne fashion. And since then, she's been really one of one of my dear friends and definitely a friend of, of the podcast. So welcome back, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> so Suzanne, we all, I, we said it, we, we had a year, some mm-hmm. more of a year than others. I don't know. Like, how you doing? How you holding up? What You survived it? I survived... 2020 beautifully. I had a really kick ass year. Myself and Rona killing it. God. <laughs> too soon? No, not too soon. I mean, there has to be some levity to those that followed the rules, wore a mask, was 
very much washing our hands and being careful and respectful to others. If you did that, you potentially had a great year like myself. That's just, that's just what the lamestream media wants you to hear. <laughs> Listen, there were some bumps in the road, but overall, yeah, yeah 2020 could have gone a lot worse for me and it didn't. So I'm well, so, going to be joyful in that. Well, what are the highlights? What, what was what was awesome for you in 2020? So in 2020, I actually am in remission. I went to remission in May, right. which was huge for me. Yay! That's the cancer journey was quite difficult, like harder than anything that I've ever thought I could deal with, but I did it. I'm really happy about the election outcome. I love Uncle Joe so much and to see that the future vice president kamala harris is just like me which is half indian and half black is extra inspiring and i also ordered my first inventory of private packs by myself and that was a huge achievement for me that i gained so i'm really happy about 2020 you had a great year that sounds like i had a, a great year. year yes and sharon had a front row for it i, I did. front row seat Really well, great. Sharon, you had some pretty big stuff that happened last year, too. I mean, you became a mogul. Yes. <laughs> mogul. That's a big word. <laughs> well, someone literally handed you a check. They're like, I like what you do. That's true. And it wasn't for this podcast. Very, very validating. Very validating. My my Chinese parents were pretty proud of that moment. So They're like, know. now I get what you do. Yeah. Or no, I still don't get what you do, I but someone's do, but willing someone, to pay Yeah, you. someone paid you a lot of money for it. It must be good. <laughs> Um, I also moved to LA. So that was big for me as someone who grew up in New York City and was a total native New Yorker. Because before this whole thing started, we were on some meeting for your day job and you're like, my family's moving to California. And then the lockdown happened. And we're like, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually it just wasn't stopping. So you're like, fuck it, we're leaving. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was like, okay, I can either quarantine in a New York City apartment with way too many people in our apartment all at once, or we could actually have a backyard and we chose the backyard. But you went from, what is it, from the out of the fire and into the frying pan? Because how's California doing? Los Angeles. I, I think the it's the new New York. Yeah. The epicenter moves where I go. Right? So like, I was literally in Queens in like the epicenter when it started. And then me moving out to LA created this chaos out here. It's all my fault. All my fault. What were some of your highlights? I, I mean, this show is one of them. I think I, this is a weird year for me. It was already going to be a sabbatical off year for the first few months. Wanted to get out of ad tech startups, figure out how to use my powers for good. Consulted with some friends, startups like yours and a few others. Met a few other mission-driven founders that I've started working with just serendipitously. Still trying to figure out what I want to do, but these shows, this one, the comic book one, even the executive one, have almost, I don't want to call them like therapy, but it's been interesting to kind of work out my thoughts and feelings in conversation with people that are smarter than me, like you guys. And I mean, we didn't launch specifically this show, you know, where we talk about race, we didn't launch this when we had the idea for it back in 2019, Sharon, like never thought the world would actually wake up alongside us. That's opportunistically, that's been good for us. Yeah. But it's made the conversations mean more or it's made doing the show matter more. So I honestly, this show and, and some of the other call it non day job work has because I still haven't figured out what my day job's going to be has been that was a big highlight for me. I mean, it's been a stressful year, though. But Suzanne, you and I were talking right before the show, just it's easy to complain 
but the, the the check myself at the door is always like I, we're fine like it's so much worse for other people and i can have a podcast and, and take a year to think about it and just kind of con- try my hand at consulting that's not been the case for a lot of people you know right and people are also very comfortable being comfortable yeah right yeah I think that's one of the reasons some people haven't been making the right choices. I talk about, Sharon, I don't know if I told you this story. So about, you know, eight weeks ago, you know, like one of the mechanisms for kind of getting through quarantine life in my family has been, I think a lot of people go for walks, go outside, keep your distance, keep your mask in your pocket. Even if it's cold, just put a jacket on, put a hat on and go for a walk. And my daughter started riding her bike more. And so there's this park that has a nice sidewalk with a view of the ocean and we go to it pretty often and we go during off hours and it usually... It's not crowded. And we go this one weekend and I kind of live in the burbs now and there's some pretty affluent people and the parking lot is full because there's a soccer game. Like not just like, oh, a couple of kids need to play, but like a full on soccer game with crowds in a crowded parking lot. And we just roll up our windows, turn around and come home. And I'm like, people are too comfortable. It's just like, I accept that it's not going to be normal for a while and we just have to adapt and like, okay, so we can't do all the things we wanted to do. So we have to find new things to do that fit into the new normal. And I've always worked for startups where I've been remote based or on the road. So having a, a beer over a Zoom isn't a, a foreign thing to me. So the the group of buddies that I used to ride the train with where we used to meet up at a bar once a month, now once a month, instead of meeting at a bar, we're all in our basements or in our guest rooms, you know, sipping whiskey and, you know, my buddy Thaddeus is like strumming his guitar and we're just talking. I've had to adapt. I mean, what about you guys? Yeah. How have you been coping? We found really interesting ways to make our home fun, <laughs> if that makes sense. One thing that started pretty early in COVID was movie night. And so every night, usually about an hour before bedtime, in the beginning, I was doing this a lot, but then I realized I wasn't being the most healthy mom by doing it, but I would load up a, a tray or a big bowl of snacks. So like popcorn <laughs> and cookies, like all the stuff that you'd get at a movie theater and the kids would sit on the couch and I'd walk around as if I was like the concessions person, you know, like. <laughs> I'm your kids popcorn. weren't selling you back their, your concessions. No. Oh yeah. You're right. Cause my kids would do that one day. <laughs> They'd buy it and then resell it for like twice the price. But so that was super fun. And it's been really fun just having them choose what they want to watch and experiencing that together. And one thing I learned about myself during movie night which is every night. It's funny. We call it movie night, but it's really like movie time is I cry at the end of every good movie. So that's become like the barometer of whether or not a movie is good. Like they'll look over and if mommy's crying, it was a good movie. If she didn't cry, that means it was crappy. (laughs) And how about you, Suzanne? What are some things that you've been doing? Uh, Really? I've just had my head down in working and my health did go off the rails after my last surgery and it caused me to be really depressed. So getting my health back mid COVID was a little bit difficult for me, but I think overall it's been great. Cause I think New Yorkers are kind of born recluses. Like we don't like to talk to people. So having this mask on, not having to put on lipstick, not having to talk to people, not having to sit beside people. I feel like it's just part of our DNA. So it worked out being alone for me does that make sense yeah i I get it because like i'm um i i too can be a recluse like if i need to force myself to be extroverted i can't but i'd rather just kind of be at home and chilling out and reading a book and i kind of don't mind being i didn't mind or haven't minded being locked up all year 
because, you know, I see the two people I actually give a shit about all the time, my, my wife and my kid. <laughs> Not that I don't, you know, I love my family and I, that's the thing I miss the most, but everyone else is kind of on demand. No offense, Sharon and Suzanne. <laughs> I can talk to you on an appointment style or I can slack Sharon about something. Yeah. So I've, my tendencies, when I want to open the window and see people, I can, <laughs> but for the most part, I can just kind of hang out and hide. Yeah. There's a lot of comfort in that for me too. I don't think of myself as being an introvert, but I've noticed how exhausted I get by having to leave the house or having to go somewhere that I don't want to go to. And that's kind of been one of the benefits of being in quarantine is I can just wear my pajama bottoms all day and no one would know, right? All right like- so I don't get that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Maybe it's because I've been remote working for so many more years with all the startups I've been at, but yeah. I still put on jeans and a nice shirt because it's the mental code switching of... My pajama pants go on when it's an hour before bedtime and it's movie night. (laughs) Right. Because you're going to stand up on a Zoom call and people are going to be like, nice pajama pants. Totally. And to be honest, I've never worn pajamas, but my pants have gotten more relaxed. So now today I'm wearing sweatpants and I never would have done that before. Like I'm never- Just giving up on life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just not a sweatpants outside the house. I want to ask you, because you're an entrepreneur running a business. Sharon is too, but you know, whatever. Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) Suzanne, are you dressed to the nines for your meetings or is it just a dress top and then just soccer shorts? No, for my meetings, I do have a basic white shirt that I wear, like a collar shirt. But yeah. below that, it's like pajama pants. <laughs> See? And I have That's my hoops one. and my lipstick in my desk drawer in case there's an impromptu Zoom call that I need to be on. Yeah, I have lip gloss in my desk drawer as well. There was a New Yorker cover from by Adrian Tomine, this, this artist I really like. And it just speaks to that exact moment. It's this... It's this picture of a girl on a zoom call it's like a zoom happy hour and she's holding the martini glass and she's got makeup on and her blouse is on and even behind her she has kind of like that you know the the asian shade the room separator thing behind her because her apartment's a mess she's like in pajama bottoms there's like takeout all over the floor it's all that matters is what's in frame of the screen i guess mm-hmm. exactly so what um, are sharing your movie nights what movies what what shows are you been watching Well, my favorites, not with the kids, are The Undoing, which I discovered recently. Have you guys watched that? Loved it. What is that? So good. I think it's an HBO show. It is. And it's Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant in their fabulousness. And it's a, how would you describe it? It's like a murder mystery series. It's very good. That's all I can say. Are you watching it by yourself or does the husband watch with you as well? He watched... The first two episodes, I think there are six in total. He watched the first two and he lost interest, but I, 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 I was with it till the end. It was really good. What yeah, about you, I Suzanne? watched The Undoing and one of my favorite movies I just watched is Let Him Go with Diane Lane and Kevin Costner. Is that a romantic movie? No, it wasn't romantic at all. Their son married a girl. The son died. And when she remarried, she married a guy who was abusive and took their grandson away to the hills of South Dakota. And it created a division where Diane Lane and Kevin Costner, who are married, were unable to see their grandson. And they had to get him back. Hence the title, Let Him Go. And it was about the grandson, but it was really great because I wanted to see a movie with people my age or a little bit older. I couldn't see any more teen movies or, you know, Riverdale. 
just breaks my heart. <laughs> Tell me about it. I've watched so much Disney Plus this year. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, so, so, so the startup I was at was all about advanced TV measurement. And when Disney Plus launched, everyone was like, I mean, I guess it'll be fine. But like they have one show, The Mandalorian. Right. And, and we were seeing that like, you know you would see that's it, right? Yep. And then the pandemic lockdown and everyone was home with kids. And I was like, I don't know if I can trust some of the garbage cartoons on Netflix. So right. I can just let my kid have a run of the mill on like the Disney plus kid filter. And I know she's good. Yeah. I've enjoyed the classics on Disney plus. So like the old school, I'm saying old school, but like the animations that we grew up with. And my kids have called it the blurry movies. Like mommy likes to watch <laughs> the blurry movies because they're, they're just not as high def, um, but they're so good. You know what they're else so I got good. into is the crown because this season Princess Diana made her appearance. That's been fun to watch because I remember when she was alive. So that's been something I've been really getting into. Yeah. My parents have a Princess Diana or a plate from the wedding of Diana and Charles. My wife's been watching it, but the show I had watched years ago when I was starting my career was West Wing and I just gotten tired of. I can only watch so much Colbert yeah. and John Oliver and it's funny and it's biting and the commentary on the dumpster fire of the year, but it was bringing me down. I was like, I need some optimism, right? I just, I, I need something better. And so I was like, Hey, you want to rewatch West Wing? And so we did. And it's like science fiction because my wife turns to me. He's like, do you think this is how government's working right now? I was like, it's not. That's, this is how it's supposed to work. <laughs> and so then the nights I was like working on podcast stuff or putting my daughter to bed, my wife would start to watch the crown. And I was like, it's kind of weird. You're you're watching the show about the monarchy, and then we're watching this other show about democracy. Like, how do you reconcile those two? And she said something the other night because uh, we had watched Downton Abbey a few years ago, and she's like, "Do these rich people just not get it? <laughs> like, what's what's going on?" <laughs> but even the same thing on The West Wing. It was such a woke, great show twenty years ago. Literally, yeah. it's twenty years old came out during the Bush era, and it's about this very kind of idealistic democratic presidency. But And it translates pretty well, but there are parts that don't because it was a pre-Me Too era. And it's not that there was a lot of like terrible stuff in it, but as my wife's watching, she's like, wow, they're really being kind of dicks to the female characters. Or wow, they're just characterizing them as like the good looking people who are the comic relief in the show, they have less agency on the show. And uh, there's just some moments. So it's just so funny to watch old stuff through kind of new eyes. You know yeah. what show did not hold up very well? What's that? Entourage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, that was like Sex yeah. in the City for men. Did se does Sex in the City hold up? It sort of does because yes. of the friendships, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's like a universal evergreen gotcha. type of thing. Yeah, but I think I have to I watch. I yeah, like wouldn't hold up. Yeah. Alone yeah. would not hold up in today's political climate, social climate. Just the way he spoke to his assistant, making all those homosexual jabs. Oh, Lloyd! Yeah. <laughs> I've talked about this on the show. Did you guys see the show Never Have I no. Ever? No, but you talk about it so much and I always tell myself I need to watch it. The way I describe it is my sister's a doctor and a lot of her doctor friends, when you ask them, what's the most accurate show about doctorness? And they're like scrubs. Yeah. Because it's just like the ridiculousness of it. So Mindy Kaling made the show Never Have I Ever about, it's kind of a coming of age story of an Indian American girl. And it is the most accurate story of the Indian American experience, like down to like the parents obsession with John McEnroe who's like a god in Indian society like yeah it's it was such a pleasant surprise and I don't like teen dramas but it was just such an accurate depiction of 
the life living between two cultures. Yeah. Another show that struck me as being very relevant as well from a race perspective is Little Fires Everywhere, because it must have all been written way before Black Lives Matter. But the poignancy of, so it's Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington starring in in the show, and they have an interesting relationship and an interesting tension between the two of them. And just the underlying messages about privilege and perspectives on life and how they go about responding to situations or even creating situations for themselves was really well told. So that's that's also a really good, really good show to watch. I definitely tried to watch shows over COVID that were the complete opposite of my life. Like I will never be... Princess of Wales. <laughs> never. I will right. never live in South right. Dakota and my grandchild will be kidnapped from me. <laughs> because I felt like there was... Never say never. I just, I just wanted to escape the daily of what I was seeing on yeah. the news. Yeah. I think escapism mattered a lot more this yeah. past year for all of us. Mm-hmm. So what what's the thing you miss the most about the before times? I miss partying. I miss house parties. I miss lounges. I miss dancing, hearing a DJ. I miss that interaction and the vibing over music. Yeah. Can you imagine like, as you were saying that I was thinking of the last time I was in a club, which was very long ago, but the closeness of people in those spaces, right? Like literally like you're sweating on someone. Well, I, well, I'm watching TV shows that are escapist, and, I'm, and I have to know I'm shouting. And he's like, "Why are they all in a restaurant together? Don't they know? <laughs> you can't do that." Why is she kissing that random guy she just met? <laughs> Dude, I mean, one, I'm I'm glad I've been off the dating scene for many years. Sorry, ladies, but no, like dating now. Oh my god, there's like so much risk. There's like literally death involved. And yeah. like literally, people. I went on a date a few weeks ago. And I'd even ask him if he had an STT test. I'm like, did you have a COVID test? When was it? <laughs> what were the results? Was it a rapid test? PCR? I need details. Oh my yeah, God. That's what dating is like now. Wow. Wow. So has that made you a lot more choiceful with who you even want to see? Yeah, because now I'm not looking to be with someone just for hooking up. It's too risky to my health. So now I'm looking right, to get right. that like, long-term boyfriend. That you can watch Netflix and with. you know yes. what? I know that the chances of him getting sick and bringing home something outside of like STDs is pretty much slim to none. And you know, mm-hmm. this life is not forever. If COVID has shown me one thing, tomorrow's not promised. And I really don't mm-hmm. want to die alone. What's the thing you guys miss the least about the before times? Oh, what I don't miss is commuting. I do not miss that. At all. See, I have mixed feelings on that because I used to think that. And I started my sabbatical before the pandemic. And so it was nice. Oh, get up, make my coffee, take my kid to daycare, all that stuff. But now I miss that big break of getting on the train for an hour and either resting, reading, priming my brain, doing the PowerPoint on the way home so I don't stay up at night and work. Like there were clear demarcations, even in the city. If I had a meeting to go meet with my reporter buddy or something, I could get a little a forced yeah. walk in and listen to a podcast yeah. and just the visual scenery of walking around Manhattan. Like now it's this meeting's over. Some Suzanne's in the Zoom waiting room. <laughs> like it's back to back. There's like yeah. no demarcation. And I miss the what the commute yeah. used to do I for that. I miss the demarcation of when I got home from being in the city that meant my day was over. 
mom was like, I don't know when yeah. my day begins yeah. and when it ends because now yeah. there's no definite, oh, okay, I'm in the house by six. That means it's time for me to make dinner, watch some TV and relax. Yeah. We take turns putting my daughter to bed. One of us is upstairs putting her to bed and the other person, you know, is doing work or <laughs> podcasting or something. And... The other person takes their computer upstairs while the kid falls asleep and is working. And there's usually like a text chain between my wife and I in the same house around 8.30, 8.45. Is she asleep? Want to keep working till about 9.15? West Wing at 9.30? <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're literally social catering what the few minutes we have because we're like around the clock. Now. You know one thing I don't miss also? I don't miss the overbooking I used to do like... I would have coffee with someone, breakfast, lunch, dinner, because I had okay. really bad FOMO. I suffered from it. And now because I'm home, I actually feel like I have much more alone time. And I actually am saving, I saved a lot of money over COVID because there isn't that lunch and dinner and breakfast right. and coffee. Cause like easily you can spend $50 alone in food in the city in one day. Yeah. Definitely. One thing I noticed before I left New York was that I had stopped spending money on Uber. You know, like I was spending so much money on cabs getting from one place to another. And so you're absolutely right. I think it has helped to save money a ton. So as, as we look to the future, when the world opens up, or who knows what normal is going to be, but whenever that is, when we feel like we're to a some semblance of a new normal What's the first thing you're going to do? What's the thing you're really looking forward to getting back to doing? Hugging, Hugging people. people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you yeah, a hug, Suzanne. Hug I, that's one thing I miss. I miss touching people over COVID because I had no one to actually like touch me and missing human touch. There's something energetically and magnetic about another human being touching you. And I don't have that. Yeah. I've experienced the same thing. I mean- I have people to hug in my family, but I've noticed that just the distance, the physical distance when I interact with people now creates an emotional distance. Like I didn't realize I was such a toucher, but I've learned that I tend to just like reach out and put my hand on someone's arm or if something's really funny, I might, I don't know, like I would just reach out and touch people. Or if I saw someone that I knew even remotely well, they would get a hug all the time. And it's weird. It almost feels robotic now when I am in front of someone in person and yet we're literally six feet apart and stiff in our interactions. So yeah, because the hug kind of breaks down the barrier instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And it forges that connection, right? It's like, it's literally that physical connection. What do you guys think is going to happen next? I think for New York, the day that Biden won the election on that Saturday, if that was any signal of how we in New York City are going to bounce back. That was a definite signal that we'll go back to being loving and just not being like Asian or Indian or white or black. We're just New Yorkers and everyone's the same here, regardless of your income level. That was a signal that we're dying to get back to just being the same New Yorkers, one community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I want to challenge that, though. Like, that's really kumbaya. But like, I think the last year, if it's taught anything, it's exacerbated what the lines are. Yeah, it sounds like everyone's normal and hustling and making it. But some people in New York have it better than others. And some 
were in a refrigerated truck because of the neighborhood they lived in. You know? Yes, but if you remember seeing the news that day, mm-hmm. the day Biden won, everyone that really wanted him in office really was just, even if during COVID time, we were just high-fiving each other. And I was down at the Barclays Center and you really just saw hope and hope is colorless. Yeah, and that sounds kumbaya and shit. And I'm not that kumbaya person, <laughs> but I do think that even though a lot has happened this year, people still have even just a minuscule amount of hope still for us to come back to normal and even better because of this. It still exists. Yeah. What about you, Sharon? What do you think is going to happen this year? I'm always the optimist. So this is going to be like silver linings all around. But I agree with Suzanne. I think people have had it. Some people have really had it really hard this year. But I think one thing that we can all agree on is maybe we've learned how to be grateful for what we do have, right? So I've heard stories from other people that I would have thought were like totally down with their luck, just lost jobs, lost friends, lost people in their lives that really meant a lot to them. And this has forced them to pause and take stock of what they do have and to center themselves again. And I think coming out of that, I feel like everyone needed that. It's one of those things where it's, we go and go and go all the time, the lunches, the dinners, the parties that we don't really want to go to, the forced social pressures that we feel. And having this time to truly just remove ourselves from that a little bit to regroup and recenter, I'm hoping is going to help us all emerge feeling more connected to each other and feeling more wanting to really establish valuable and meaningful relationships with each other. I agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely like the silver lining of this, the centering. Uh, I think we needed kind of that value reset, but just <laughs> the eternal pessimist like that I've become since 2016 is I the, that's a good lesson learned and I think that one will stick. I actually do. But I uh, I think the compassion and the consideration for your fellow man will go out the door. It's already been kind of out the door this year. And I think once people can go back to their quote unquote normal life and not care about not being your brother's keeper, like I just, I don't know, man, I just, I think we're going to go back to more of the same, like all of the socioeconomic lines that we all kind of ignored and that were just like laying bare in front of us by who's dying more. And like, cause even people are ignoring it here. If you're good and you can order your food online from Whole Foods, you're good. Never mind the essential or the expendable worker. But I think we're gonna go back to ignoring the problems. We have a short term memory as a society. When we have an 80, 90% vaccine, say in the fall, I think six months from then, We'll remember it and we'll all collectively sigh and have collective trauma around 2020 and a little bit of 2021. But I I really hate the fact that I expect it might be business as usual after that. I hate that as well. <laughs> I hate that you have that feeling. But I do think it's going to be for the people like myself and Sharon to hold those other people accountable. Wait, why don't I get to hold them accountable? <laughs> I want to hold them accountable too. We're going to be the ones that persuade you to be on our side and have keep hope alive. Because I do think that there will be some people yeah. that will be affected and rocked to their core from this that they won't go back to being the same. Yeah, I hope Even so. people tell me, they're like, Suzanne, you're so positive. I'm like, I know. I don't think I'm going to go back to that negative <laughs> Nelly that I used to be. <laughs> That's how traumatic it was. Yeah, you became I mean, an optimist, really Suzanne. <laughs> 
But that is that molecular change that happens to some during this time. So how are you going to celebrate the inauguration? If it happens. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's I happen. hate that you say it like that. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's just half of America is not going to believe it. Because <laughs> like, of what this clown but keeps saying. that's the beauty about America. You don't have to believe it. But because the Constitution, which is not Republican or Democrat, says that it has to happen. Like homeboy has to leave on the 20th. Like you have to really <laughs> I want that I want that shirt. That's the shirt I'm gonna wear on the 20th. Homeboy has to leave on the 20th. It's a law of the land. And but we also have to be gracious winners also because these people are very upset that he lost. And I think there has to be some level of kindness and graciousness that we have to carry forward. Because remember, we were them four years ago. And listen, I'm a Democrat, but there have been some really great things that happened on his watch. And I'm not going to deny that he did make an impact. Listen, I don't understand how someone that has the FBI, CIA, and Department of Justice under your watch, and no one took your phone away to stop you from being on Twitter sometimes. But listen, we've had the most protected election. He got the coronavirus medication a warp speed. He's limited sex trafficking because he put out a law for that. And being a business owner, him renegotiating the NAFTA agreement was very good for me. So I'm not going to say he was a lose-lose president. He wasn't. But he got to go. He got to go. Because he did degrade the moral standing of the country and the value because of his own self-centeredness. Yeah, look, I definitely don't want to pick a fight, Suzanne, but I think we got through it and all the things that happened happened in spite of him, in spite of it would have been better. I, I, I can't speak to NAFTA specifically, but I can speak to pandemic response. Like that's the thing that upset me the most was Gosh, I don't want to litigate, but like a, a competent lead by example response. There were people who felt they didn't have to wear a mask, felt like they could go to the soccer game. Governors who felt like they could push back because they literally had political cover from the leader to to behave I this agree. way. So like, I, I think character morality yeah. matter. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, here's why I agree with you. Homeboy's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's the shirt yes. I'm gonna wear. I, 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 for inauguration day, I plan to be with my friends who I watched the election with my pod because I know they're being just as careful during the coronavirus, and I trust my pod. So we're gonna watch it in front of a TV and just celebrate the new administration coming in. That sounds like a great party. Are you gonna zoom? No, nope. like live stream it. You should do that. And- no, nope, we're gonna just be together, <laughs> have snacks, and just watch it like it was a movie. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Enjoy movie democracy. night. The inauguration night can be movie night for yeah, you. Yeah, democracy. I mean, this is a really big deal that we're going to have a female yeah. woman of color as a vice president. I think that's exciting. And I think only in America. <laughs> and being an immigrant to this country, that's really inspiring. That's why I moved here 20 years ago. 100%. So do you guys have any New Year's resolutions or goals? Um, <laughs> Drink less on Zoom. <laughs> It's a good one. That is a good one. I want to find someone. I want to find a partner. I want to consciously date someone. I hope it's someone that's listening and just heard that. Then we can say that Modern Minorities was a successful (laughs) matchmaker. (laughs) 
for one of our guests. What I about like you, that. Sharon? I would I what do I want to do in the new year? I think I'd like to be better about reflection. Like I think 2020 was so much about reacting to things, just kind of taking it as it came. And I tend to do best when I can sit down and reflect on what I've learned from things or even what I'm grateful for, for the day. And I haven't had a lot of that. Like I feel like at the end of every day, I'm just so exhausted and worn down that all I can do is just get up and do it all over again the next day. So I'd like for 2021 to be the year of really taking that pause and then being able to get the insights from my day-to-day activities. Yeah, 2020 was a real Groundhog Day kind of year. It was just kind of like rinse and repeat. There's a there's a really good Volkswagen commercial actually about the I think when the new bug came out and it's they play the the video from the ELO song Mr. Blue Sky. I'll put that in the show notes, but it's just like the same day over and over again, different shirt, different yeah. cup of coffee, but it's just been like the same day, the same week over and over and over yeah. again because that's kind of how we've been, you know, navigating it. It's like routine makes things go faster, but I think I missed the It's kind of like, you know, when you go on a vacation and you go somewhere different the day you go away for two days, maybe a week, and it feels like you were gone for a month because every day was so different versus you can burn days and weeks and months with the day job and the same routine. Right. And I just, it's not that we haven't had new experiences. It's just been the settings kind of been the same for the most part. There hasn't been a lot of new discovery. Yeah. It's because we've been in our houses. I discovered that we have an attic. (laughs) Is it a scary attic? I haven't been in there yet, but I saw, it's so like, scary. It's a little weird. Like there was a loose panel in the ceiling, and I was like, "What is that?" Turns out we've got something above us that I had no idea about. You know, one thing I really miss is traveling. That's always been one of my passions, and I feel like like this year was supposed to be the year that I was supposed to go to Bali, and that didn't happen. Hopefully next year. I don't know. We'll see. Next year, I think that's on my list. But what are what are some places that you guys would love to go to? California. So many people have left New York. I feel like California is the sixth borough. Yeah, it was like a massive yeah. coastal ship. All, almost all the New Yorkers, with the exception of one buddy of mine, he went to Panama, but everybody went to like L.A. Yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Come that's actually us. why. Come I mean, that's down. why L.A., that's what it was. That's <laughs> all the why. New York people went to L.A. <laughs> the epicenter we, literally we brought, moved. Yeah, we brought COVID here. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's funny. I, my wife and I were talking about that. Like, where do we want to go? And, you know, we got travel out of our system before we had a kid, went all over the world. But and we're like, we're going to hunker down, have a kid and just be parents and go hiking to national parks and stuff and nothing crazy. And we're talking about where we want to go. And it's, I, we just want to go see our parents. You know, we, we're used to seeing our parents a couple times a year. They come up, we go down and we're literally talking about the summer, specifically once our parents are vaccinated, just driving down and spending just hang out at the house and just be with them. It's just, we made have made it a point. We went from prior to the pandemic, call them like once a week to call them every other day because they're stuck at home, right? Like, and they're retired, so they can't get swamped with work. But yeah, I think that's, I literally just want to travel to like Alabama and Florida and see our parents and just hang out there. It's a simple things. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the lessons, I think, from the last year that you're going to take into the new year? I'm definitely more confident I definitely found my voice as a CEO and as a woman this year. So I'm definitely bringing that forward. I've learned to say yes to possibilities. Going into 2020, I was pretty set on what I thought I wanted and what I thought the world looked like. And 
that completely got turned on its head. And in the process, I was sort of not forced, but had the opportunity to say yes to a lot of things that I don't think I would have so easily said yes to. Like everything from even launching this podcast, it was like, sure, why not? (laughs) Let's do it. And I, I think that's been good. I think that's actually really helped me to grow. And it's also just opened so many doors for me that I wouldn't have expected. Hmm. I think I want to do less, actually. It's like the opposite. Like, I think part of it was the timing of just taking this year to kind of explore and try a lot of things. And I miss the focus of just one or two things and just like really going deep. Because when I do something, it's like I go all in. And when you go all in, like 100, 120% on five things, it just, time moves really fast, but you're going from thing to thing to thing versus just just do two things and just do two things really, really well. I don't know how because I've signed up for so many things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you do it either. I watch you. I mean, it is. It's. I I get exhausted watching you. I got more gray hair this year somehow. (laughs) It finally happened. (laughs) It was bound to happen. (laughs) Well, Suzanne, thanks for coming back on the show and revisiting the year and thinking about what we've got to come. Thank you so much for having me. I always love circling back and talking with you all and having authentic conversations with you and Sharon. So thank you for having me. Oh, we love having you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we'll keep being you and everyone stay safe and let's go get 2021. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Ramin Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Barapapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado.